0: but when you put your head on the pillow at night ask yourself what did I do for fun today and be able to have at least one thing that happened in your day that was fun and joyous and just made you feel free and alive
1: welcome to episode 11 of the level up with kdb podcast this is a goodie. My friend and fellow coach, Amanda Ewan, is joining us to share her incredible wisdom on how to shift from feeling meh to magnificent using a blend of hot science and cool spirituality and reminding you that there is more to life than the day-to-day slog. In this episode, Amanda shares her story about how she came to love and appreciate the art of stillness and what her number one key to success in business has been. She also gives us some incredible insights about her journey with human design and specifically how she's learning to embrace her manifesto energy. If you hang around to the end of the episode, she has an awesome tool for you that you can find out more about. She's got a download for you. You can start using it straight away. Just settle in for a super chill episode jam-packed with gold nuggets for your highest evolution. Welcome, Amanda, to the Level Up with KDB podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm very grateful to have you on the show.
0: I'm so excited. I just get goosebumps when I think about where we're going to go and the places we're going to reach and super cool to be here. Yes, because
1: that's kind of what our relationship has been like, hey? It's been like, it's kind of I feel like it's been a can of worms that got opened all of a sudden and now and now we're just so lucky we get to spend so much time together and we've connected on so many different levels. Um so you are a lifestyle coach and I'm an energetics and mindset coach, but we also have a mutual love and appreciation for all things woo-woo. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you incorporate some very cool spiritual aspects in your coaching business. And I was just wondering so, one of your, one of your, I guess, main messages to your clients and your wider community is that incorporating cool science and, and spirituality is a really beautiful way to evolve and to use on your personal development journey. So what does cool science and spirituality mean to you? So
0: I thank you for that introduction. And yes, I do use the science and the spirituality because and I just need, before I tell you what it means to me, the reason why I started using it was because I worked as a podiatrist. That was a 30 plus year career. And at uni, we were just taught the science. And so then that evolved into working with clients, fixing their feet problems or trying to at sometimes and realizing that the science didn't always have the answers. And then in my own personal growth and development as well, the science stuff just wasn't enough. And it wasn't helping me enough to solve the problems that needed to be solved. And when I delved into spirituality on a personal level, I also integrated that, not always my clients knowing with their feet fixing, Uh, but I would (laughs) dive into the spiritual side of things. So, it just really elevated the way I could help people. And then with my coaching as well, the more I tried things in my own life, the more I realized how much impact it could have. And also the biggest thing is the fun part of it, like Mm. being less serious and just having fun along the way. So Tarot readings and I'm you're the you're the guru of those, but the um just having oracle cards and doing that kind of stuff and really tapping into intuition and things that science didn't necessarily back, but I just kept seeing incredible results, not only in podiatry, and I'm no longer doing that anymore. I just do the coaching, but in the coaching, just it's just astounding and how many people got so much joy out of it and the goosebumps that come along, like mm-hmm. the The things that you cannot explain Mm -hmm. just made me so excited about it and I couldn't stop and then learning about human design and all the things.
1: Yeah, oh, my goodness. I can just imagine, like, (laughs) going to the podiatrist and having conversations like that must have been so cool for your clients, but it sounds like you were doing that and you're like, ooh, actually, I am – pretty good at helping people with their life and and getting people to relax and also have a bit more fun by incorporating the spirituality, which is so cool. And then obviously at some point you decided to go all in on just being the people helper rather than the feet helper.
0: How, what was that transition like? Well, it's interesting because when you've been doing something for 30 years, it does become part of your identity and then societal conditioning that I know you talk about a lot and so do I, that it was my identity. I was a podiatrist and what was I going to do? How was I going to make a career out of coaching and all of the people's opinions around that? And I just got to the point where I just couldn't, do it anymore. I really wanted to help people more with their lifestyle and their mindset and their mind in general and their brain and the way they created new habits. I just couldn't do it through their feet anymore. And I just got to the point where I really didn't care about their foot problem. I was more concerned about the other things. And so that sounds terrible and no disrespect to any of my clients that are listening, I still did the best job I could do. I just got to the point where I couldn't do it through that realm anymore. It was an inner knowing. I just had to trust it.
1: Well, absolutely. And what an incredible leap of faith that it takes to follow that inner knowing, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's scary. I still have super scary days because it's only been since January that my registration, I allowed my registration as a podiatrist to lapse. And Mm -hmm. so it's only been three months and I still have, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Because we have that, you won't have anything to fall back on. and, And I also know that this is now my purpose and this is why I'm here and I've just got to live it
1: what tools do you have to support you in those times of doubt when you start having those little like, "Uh Oh, what have I done?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm not the complete master of it. There are some days where I just have, have days where it's really hard and the inner critic is just telling me stories that aren't very kind. And I, can't get anything done because my mind, I just get overwhelmed and exhausted, and then I just down tools and go to the beach Mm, (laughs) pretty much. That's one of my tools. Mindfulness has been incredible. So just coming back to the moment and looking at the facts and not tapping into that inner critic or the catastrophizing of I'm going to end up living under a bridge or Mm. all of those things, I notice the thought. The first thing is just noticing noticing that thought when it comes noticing the voices and then just coming back to the moment and what can i do right now that is going to shift the needle really whether it's downing tools and going to the beach or just going outside and hugging a tree i've got a beautiful tree outside and when i'm having moment that's beautiful and i put my ear on it and often it can tell me what i need to know
1: Oh my goodness, what a beautiful connection. And I know you use in your coaching practice, the science and the woo of stillness as the key to kind of unlocking and creating more momentum with success. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. So do you find that in the stillness you are more able to listen to the truth of your intuition like almost does it help you get curious rather than judgmental about that inner critic what is it about stillness what is the science and the woo of stillness that helps it helps us so readily tap into greater levels of success
0: so I think there's so much to this and Unfortunately, society rewards hard work and being crazily busy and we are taught to just go, go, go all the time and that's how you'll be successful. And so I lived that life. My mum lived that life. That's what I grew up seeing and believing that you just had to work really hard all hours of the day doing whatever it took. Whether it was you know you were at work or then you come home and just do everything, never ask for help because that was a sign of weakness in my mind, and I never saw my mum do it either. And other women that were role models to me as well just worked super hard. And when I say worked super hard, I mean just didn't really stop. If they weren't working in a paid job, they were volunteering or you know being a parent whilst doing all the other things as well, and I just well. Losing my mum, just dropping dead of a stroke at sixty nine kind of was a big awakening to this busy life. I think there's more to it than that, and so I got a coach to help me with the stillness and and just the science behind stopping and meditation or just sitting where you're not actually doing anything, picking up your phone or doing anything. I'm not also the master of that yet either. I still mm-hmm. have days where I don't always do it. And the days where I don't do it are the worst days. They're the ones that I need it the most and and need those reminders too to do it, which is why I teach what I teach. Mm-hmm. So initially I couldn't even sit for 30 seconds without doing anything. That was a couple of decades ago. And my coach at the time just said, can you just try 30 seconds after you bring, you know, finished going for a walk, just sit for 30 seconds and do nothing. And that was hard, really hard. And now I can do it for an hour. Uh, I don't do that on a regular basis now because I don't need that hour. It's like I I know that I can do it. Um, Even five minutes, five minutes in the morning has been shown scientifically to make a massive difference of just being in stillness, whatever it is, whether it's sitting out in nature or just sitting on the couch, whether it's listening to a meditation or whatever works for you, just those five minutes can make all the difference to the rest of your day and how how it works just to get out of your head and give your brain a rest and restore your nervous system. Mm,
1: yeah, and I think it's so undervalued and when i think people can be a bit skeptical do you think that that 5 minutes can actually have such an incredible impact on the way that you move through the rest of your day the way you feel for the rest of the day your mental clarity your nervous system i really get the feeling that people think like it's all or nothing as in it's the 1 hour cross your legs meditate full stillness Or what's the point? But you and I both know, I mean, we both have extremely full lives. And if it wasn't for those tiny moments of stillness where we spend intentional time, like dropping in, quietening our mind, I don't know if we would be very high-functioning humans. (laughs) I, I mean, I should speak for myself, not for you, but I don't know if I would be. And actually, my kinesiologist, she taught me. When I first started going to see her, she taught me to when we're in the cruise, like so in my day job flying airplanes, she was like, whenever you go to the bathroom, just sit and close your eyes and put your hand on your belly and just be like, I am. And that's like, I take two or three breaths. And so I've got a bladder the size of a pea. So I do that quite a lot of times during one flight. (laughs) And I do find it helps me. Feel really calm, really centered. It helps me shed other people's energy as well, which I find extremely helpful. Um, because I, in my human design chart, I have an undefined emotional solar plexus, which means that I absorb and amplify the energy of people around me probably more than the average bear or or more than perhaps someone that has a defined emotional solar plexus. So creating space to do stuff like that really helps me protect my energy, call my energy back and really get centered and calm. So do you find with your clients, when you start saying, just experiment with like five minutes of stillness, how, what is
0: their general reaction? <laughs> I think the biggest fear, and firstly, I love that your kinesiologist sounds bloody awesome. And <laughs> She's <love> a legend. <laughs> I, I love that I am, because it's instantly grounding and, and bringing you back into that mindfulness of just, I'm here right now. and. And connecting you with the breath because that's all that we have for free, for nothing, we we can connect with our breath and we forget to or we're not taught to or we don't even know how to. I think for my clients, depending on where they're at in their spiritual journey or their personal development journey, sometimes the biggest fear is around what am I going to do with what comes up. Mm-hmm. And the scariness of that. So, sitting in stillness and then having kind of feelings come up that might not be very welcome or they haven't felt before. And I think that's one of the reasons why humans stay so busy as well, because it's scary to sit there and to think about the thoughts that come up or to try and. And sometimes I think the perception that you need to not have thought is massive. So, sit for five minutes. And people think, oh, oh, but I can't do that because I have a monkey mind. And why I'm gonna have we all have monkey minds. And our thoughts, particularly me, I'm like, far out. My brain just goes a million miles a minute. And I know yours does too. Mm. So yeah, it can be scary. And I and I do work quite intuitively. So I'll tap into What do they need right now? And is five minutes achievable or not? And, you know, we might start with two or it might start with just standing outside with your feet on the grass or in the dirt rather than actually sitting and doing nothing because that can be pretty scary.
1: Yeah. God, so beautiful. I actually, uh, when I was walking down by the river the other day, I saw a woman sitting with her bare feet and she just was sitting with her eyes closed with her feet on the ground and she looked so peaceful. And I was doing my usual, like, I need to get outside, but I've only got half an hour. So I was like power walking. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm jealous. I want to sit in ground and really just be in stillness. I just didn't have the time. And actually it makes. So, your clients are high achieving or high values driven women, aren't they?
0: They are, yes, and they don't always know it. So I have a few, I have a few clients who've said, "I really resonate with everything you say, Amanda, but I'm not a high achiever." Mm, how interesting. It's really interesting how we perceive ourselves and. And I look at them and, and this has happened with a few people that have followed me for a while. So kind of know they a bit about their life as well. And, and I think you so are a high achiever. Like it's just not even, mm. it's a no brainer. Um, yet yeah, they don't perceive themselves to be. So then, yeah, they say, oh, well, I wouldn't really fit into working with you. And you don't have to be a high achiever, but most people are, even if they don't know it. So that 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 just wanting to live a better life, you know, just wanting to know more about themselves and have more fun along the way and just not feel so meh. Yes. Well, I have just spent
1: the weekend away with a retreat, a retreat run for veterinary professionals who are inherently, I would say, high achievers and Mm -hmm. hold themselves to very high standards and we spent two and a half days doing workshops all around uh, mindset and balancing emotions and staying sane and productive in a very busy almost relentless profession and one thing that was common with all the women there is that they really undervalued their skill sets their contribution to not only their clinics but their families their wider community and it seems to me that it is a bit of a common theme that women tend to undervalue themselves and you know we were talking earlier about it being scary to sit with your emotions and that's why people find it hard to sort of sit in stillness in a in the midst of a busy day or just having a busy life and I do wonder if there's a link between that that uh, sort of inability to honor how bloody incredible we all are Mm -hmm. and the unwillingness to to sit in silence and feel the emotions that come up around almost probably quite often feeling exhausted feeling taken advantage of feeling undervalued from other people
0: what do you think yeah it's a really interesting topic that you just brought up and what a amazing weekend it sounds like and transformational experience for those people as well to just i think that there's so much power in seeing other women and realizing that and we all think similar things, and we're pretty hard on ourselves. And I think that, in in my experience, from a personal level and with clients and friends and colleagues, that it's more that we don't realise the solution is just right under our nose. So we think that we need to get more material things or have more. Qualifications or be better at this or that, and then we'll be happy and we'll have that space for peace and calm and being grounded, and we'll like ourselves more because we'll be, we will have achieved more. Mm -hmm. So that's where I had an issue, and I just thought I just have to keep doing all of these things, and then I got fatigue in a way that I couldn't continue my life as it was. And so I sort of had to look within and that's when I asked for help and decided that I wanted to be helping people do those same things. So does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, it does. And I think because ultimately what you're saying, I think, is we really need to put our own oxygen mask on first, right? <laughs> like we, it's, it's all good and well to be constantly striving and achieving and moving forward and unwilling to slow down and unwilling to sit in stillness, but event, the truth of the matter, the reality is that that is very unsustainable. And, and the truth also is that if we honestly want to have the biggest impact and really want to be high achievers, we need to put our own oxygen mask on first. We need to create space to look after ourselves even when it seems unfathomable to to put down the tools, so to
0: speak. Absolutely. And I think even knowing that you need to put down the tools and stop and actually take a moment and ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. And I was talking to a client today and alluding to a smorgasbord or a buffet that you go to and you get a plate. And when you're a kid, it's super exciting. You just pile everything on as an adult, it doesn't get so exciting. The older you get just looks like a whole pile of mush. But if you keep piling everything on and life is the same, you're just piling on all of these things, you can't enjoy any of it and it's going to make you sick.
1: Ooh,
0: I love that metaphor. Holy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then there's no room for dessert either. Oh, <laughs> God. I live for dessert, so I, I must not pile that plate.
0: (laughs) And just looking at what, what are you piling it with? And is it bringing you joy? So Mm. I had so many things on my plate. I was volunteering for five different councils and committees and doing, I look back now and just, it makes my eyes water thinking about how much I was trying to fit in. And my first coach, I said, I just need to be more organized. And she looked at me and went, well, what you're trying to do doesn't even fit into 24 hours a day. So it's got nothing to do with organization. And I just thought, I need to go and find another coach because she doesn't know what she's talking about, literally. And then, yeah, over the years, I've realized that I was piling too much on and a lot of it wasn't bringing me joy. It's just what I thought I should be doing. So it's taking a moment to reflect on all of the things you are doing and are you enjoying them? Do you have a choice? Are they negotiable? And how can you remove yourself from the ones that you aren't enjoying? Mm, totally. You know,
1: we spent a lot of time at the retreat actually just observing, I mean, having conversations about an average day and and what goes on in an average day. And what was really common is that the the woman at the retreat could see how much. The other women were were doing, and really were in deep uh, admiration and gratitude. I guess for for the level of competency and ability that they have to contribute to their wider community. But each of them still felt like they were never enough, right? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting how externally, like people looking from the outside in, can see how incredible you are. Just and it's not attached to really what you do attached to your output it's really attached to your the way that you your presence you know the way that you hold yourself the energy that you have in life and I wish more of us could see that we are human beings not human doings right and hold our own recognize our own value in that being rather than the doing but the other thing that was quite interesting at this retreat obviously veterinary professionals are scientists right yeah (laughs) And I was running a human design retreat, uh, a workshop, sorry, at the retreat. So that was really cool because I got to hold hostage a bunch of science-minded individuals and and share the wisdom and all the cool spirituality that human design holds within it. And, you know, they were so open to it. I was so grateful. Some of them were just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I really want to find out more and i know that you have been on a bit of a journey with your human design because i think if i'm correct was it part of you almost learning to get in touch with your intuition again how did how did human design come into your life
0: oh that's a really good question i crossed paths with it a few times and thought wow that sounds really interesting and didn't really know my birth time, so just thought it was inaccessible to me, and then put in what I thought my birth time was, but that didn't really resonate. And then through the uh, business coaching program that I signed up for almost two years ago, I crossed paths with a Human Design coach, and went, "Wow, this is really cool!" And she helped me find my time of birth, and and from there. It's been incredible finding out how I get intuitive hits and just more about my design and how I do things, and just has helped me with self confidence, self acceptance. And it's really helped me be a lot less hard on myself.
1: Mm. Yeah. So you are a 46. So for the listeners, Amanda's profile is four six. Her energy type is Manifesta and she's splenic. So ah, manifestors only make up 8% of the population. And they are designed to be the, the spark of initial creative action inspiration that gets the rest of us into motion, essentially. And that sounds amazing. Every generator and mangen that I know is jealous of manifestors because you guys get to initiate as in you do not have to, you're not designed to wait for an external catalyst before you take aligned action. You get to follow your impulse, follow your urges and take action. And so for the rest of us, we kind of have to wait for something to respond or to be invited or wait a lunar cycle and manifestors just get to do their thing. But I know, Amanda, that it's not all rainbows and lollipops being a manifestor. And I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, sort of what has been the most interesting and challenging aspects of embodying your energy as a
0: manifestor. So... The most interesting and the most challenging. So the most interesting has been knowing that the ideas I come up with, I am designed to bring them into the world and they're there for a reason. And I have actioned that in the past and I ran mountain bike retreat, two mountain bike retreats in Karatha because I had this fantastic idea and it came to me and I found the courage to pursue it, which was incredible. And I also thought that it just worked because I was in Karatha and it was a captive audience and it was easy. And since becoming, so this is the most interesting thing since, since finding out about my human design, I realized that it's not necessarily because it was in Karatha. It's because I had the idea and that's my job and Mm. to go out there and bring those things into the world. And the most challenging thing has been the self-confidence and self-belief since I've come to the city that I get these ideas and I think they're awesome and then finding the courage and moving through the societal conditioning and all of the conditioning stuff that makes me believe that it's not possible for some reason, it's not going to work because I don't have a proper business strategy or all of those things that have been planted in my head. Whereas if I just lean into my intuition and go, well, I didn't get that idea for no reason. And one of the things that came to me to run my own networking event, which is coming soon in about a month, and I, I, I'm noticing my resistance because I, I've learned that I'm also a highly sensitive person. So going to events is hard in a closed space, particularly with women, because it can be very noisy. And I haven't found ones that really work for me. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with this idea to do my own and they're outdoors doing an activity and put the steps into place and the resistance has been quite crazy Mm -hmm. to get it out into the world because of all of that self-doubt that comes through, oh, but it won't work because of all these reasons. Whereas if I lean into my manifester and go, that idea came to me because I'm a manifester. and if I lean into my intuition and just keep trusting that, Mm -hmm. trusting the feeling and not the details will just come to me and it'll work or it won't. (laughs) But I've just got to put it out there and do it. And that's so that's been that juxtaposition where it can be really challenging even though I have this knowing. But now that I have the knowing, I just go, oh, yeah, I'm a manifester. I have to do this. I can't not do it.
1: Yeah, well, I think what's quite interesting is that manifestors are designed to be quite um, quick. I guess mm-hmm. in general, and you as a splenic manifester, So your authority being splenic means that you, your decision-making process is ideally going to be based on your intuitive hits, and intuitive hits are quick, fast. Speak to you once, often don't speak to you again, and where that can be challenging for manifestors is as you mentioned with when you're kind of working through the layers of conditioning. When you are someone that's been used to using your critical thinking as the primary tool to to navigate your decision-making process, learning to dim the noise of that critical thinking and the noise of the conditioning, which is usually partly the internalized other, right? The the people that get under our skin that contribute to our conditioning. Learning to turn the volume of that down and Honor the the language of your intuitive hits. That ain't no joke, <laughs> like that takes some serious trust and surrender and experimentation,
0: right? Absolutely. And Katie, what happened with this intuitive hit? One night it just came to me and i and i I can I just I just remember sitting there and thinking, I have to run an event outdoors because I love the outdoors nature connection. I love moving my body and that just made sense to me. And I need to bring women together and build this sisterhood and doing adventure is great. And I'm cross between an introvert and an extrovert. So, you know, doing an activity rather than having to do some networking event where you say you're elevated pitch and you have to go and speak to strangers. Like that's just really scary. And so I had this idea and then I went. It needs to be slacklining, so I'm giving it away. And I had met a slackline, he actually runs Perth Slackline School, um, at a yoga retreat and we were doing yoga next to each other in a four-degree uh, place down in Nanga in the southwest of WA and it was freezing cold and so we had quite a bonding um just doing these, this yoga. Anyway, I just thought, and I went to one of his workshops and I thought, I need to contact Jack. I've got to get Jack to do it. And so I messaged him straight away. There was no extra thought in it. Like, can you do this? And then he said, yep. And I thought, okay, this was in January. I'm going to do it at the end of January. It's now March. We do have a date though. And then what happened was my fear kicked in from my conditioning. And oh, how am I going to market it? What? Where am I going to put it? How much am I going to charge for it? All of the, who's going to come? All of those things crept in. And so then I luckily didn't forget about it though because I had actioned that intuitive hit, but I probably would have forgotten about it if I didn't action it and reach out to Jack and he got back to me straight away. And yeah, anyway.
1: Yeah, so, oh, so much important stuff for all the manifestors that are listening because- <laughs> First of all, I really encourage everyone, not just manifestors, but everyone when they're starting to turn down the noise of external influence and turn up the noise of their intuition to start keeping a journal of what's coming up, what messages are they getting from their body, what you know, what does it feel like? Where do you feel it? Does it feel good? Does it feel bad? All the intricacies. And then also like, what was that hit? Like for you, it was to have this networking event that was outdoors, totally unlike anything you've ever had before. And just get into the habit of leaving a voice note or writing a note in your phone, because then you can reflect on it later. You know, we don't always have time to sit and mull these things over or, you know, not that we're supposed to be mulling them over, but we don't have time to like get it all out. There's a lot of information attached to that one intuitive hit, right? So creating a sort of system where you get to download that onto paper or voice note or whatever is really good. But then as well as that. As a manifester, you have a really beautiful connection to your throat. And so your job isn't done when you follow your your intuitive hit or also your urge, because as a manifester, your strategy is to follow your urge and inform. Once you've had that urge, once you've had that intuitive hit, it's felt really positive. You've got really excited. You've felt the pull towards it then you have to tell people (laughs) because that's what actually attracts the right people to support you on bringing your creative visions to life. So have you found, you know, you mentioned that you identify as a highly sensitive person and a mix between an extrovert and an introvert. So do you feel that that is a challenge for you, like sharing your ideas, speaking to people, or does that come naturally to you?
0: The voices that come into my head that's that can stop me if I'm not aware of them is the challenge so the what if I say the wrong thing what if I'm not connecting what if this isn't the right strategy and getting it wrong is has been one of my biggest challenges which is all of that stuff that is those external factors that we talk about when we're not really truly trusting ourselves or leaning into our intuition Mm -hmm. so and luckily I have a fantastic business coach, so I can reach out and just say, I need some strategy. Like the the wording that you use is important. And just trusting too, that, that getting that out and getting the language around it is right, because it's a new thing as well. So who am I targeting? Who is it for? Why am I doing it? All of those things are great questions for a coach to ask. And And then having the courage to speak it and put it out there into the world because of all those fear-based things of, oh, everyone's doing networking events. It's not going to work and who's going to come and all of those things. So that's got nothing to do with the human design aspect.
1: Yeah, but I wonder what shift or what change in perspective you might experience if you decided that you would share your thoughts with no attachment to whether it came into a fully fledged manifestation. Do you know what I mean? Like without having to know that it was going to actually come to fruition, if you shared your thoughts, shared your creative vision with no attachment to the outcome, do you think that that would change for you? The the fear, would it change the voice?
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's how I do things now. So my Mm. group coaching program that I started last year was based on, I'm just doing this because I know I need to do it. I've got this intuitive hit. I did a group, a, a challenge, a five day challenge, which was amazing. And just let go of attachment to the outcome and just kept trusting and just, and if it didn't work, then we just try the next intuitive hit and see what rolls. And, look at why it might not have but yeah thank you for that reminder too because it's it's really important to let go of attachment to the outcome and I think that ties beautifully back into the striving and that ambition and the high achievers that we are uh can have that attachment to the outcome when I've got this then I will be Mm. filling the dots yeah yeah
1: I mean it's all easier said than done sometimes, I think, because of the level of conditioning that we have and have experienced. But how co- I love that you're experimenting with it, and I know how much you have been leaning into it and and kind of full trust of, let's just see how this goes. And I truly believe that that is the best way to start really experiencing the beauty of human design because without that experimental kind of playful energy attached to it it can feel really fucking tricky because actually what human design is teaching us is our natural state of being and coming home to that after so much, you know, a lifetime of trauma and experiences. And, you know, some of them are good as well. Like it's not, I feel like probably I talk about conditioning as if it's always bad, which I really don't believe that it is, but unless it's life giving and supporting you of supporting you in achieving your most fulfilling life, then it's time to start peeling back the layers. Right. But yeah, I think, being playful, being experimental. And that is totally the energy that I know you bring into your coaching as well, because you came and shared a beautiful workshop in my group coaching program. And it was just so uplifting. And so I guess light, It I felt like the whole group felt like a 10-ton weight had been lifted off their shoulders after your workshop because it was really just such a beautiful way for us to be playful, be in touch with the now and and spark kind of a bigger, a greater, more conscious connection to the things that truly bring us joy, which is not always smashing those
0: big-ass goals out of the park, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. And that's what it's all about, being less serious and having more fun and play and sometimes we even forget what that looks like like what does bring you joy that's one of the first things I do with my clients and sometimes they don't even know Mm.
1: would you would you say that this idea of playful experimentation has been one of the keys to your success in business
0: yes Mm. the key oh I love that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i yeah, just throwing it out there and just seeing what happens. And, and I think it's also allowed me to have more planned fun in life generally as well. Like it's really helped me tap into my spontaneity and ability to have incidental fun and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would
1: your biggest piece of advice or pearl of wisdom be to all the incredibly high values driven, high achieving go-getters that we have listening on this podcast, what would your biggest
0: piece of advice be to them? To put play at the top of your to-do list would be the first thing. So I recommend my clients have three things a day. And if that's the only thing they achieve, then that's enough. And And that might be three things that they think they must do or have to do. And then at the top of the list, it's almost like a minus one or a a 1A or the one that comes before the one, the zero, but it's essential, is to put play on the list and, and make sure it happens. Otherwise, it just doesn't ever come into fruition and that it can be easy and it can be less than 10 minutes and... And the second thing is to lean into your human design and learn more about it, because it really is a game changer to understand more about why you do the things you do and to lean into your strengths and not continually criticize yourself for the things you're not so good at.
1: I love all of that so much. I love the idea of prioritizing play. And then my second question to you, and obviously I love learning more about your human design because as you know most people when they learn their human design they are like well you've just given me a permission slip to be me and I think that's one of the biggest gifts that human design gives you when you are a really busy person with so much on the to-do list what's your biggest tip for fitting these moments of fun into your life is it to have that prioritization and just commit to it is it literally just saying this is really important for me to be a high-functioning human, I must play, it's like a, it's a non-negotiable, or is there any other little tips and tricks to fit that beautiful list of, of fun and play into your day?
0: That's a really good question, and it will be different for different people and their different human designs as well, what's going to work for them. And so just experimenting is great. If you go for a walk every day, walk on the curb, hug a tree, like just if you walk past a set of swings, stop for a moment and, you know, 20 seconds on a swing or doing something, go down the kid's slide or just, just imagine seeing adults doing that all the time, like playing in the playground and even if there's no kids around or that you don't have kids. Or going to the beach and just drawing a love heart in the sand. Like little, mm. little tiny things incidental play-wise is the start, the beginning. And then you can factor in more things. Like you might get some watercolors if you like art and and factor in 10 minutes of that now and again. And yeah, it can just be the super little things, but I would start with incidental play where you can just go, oh, I'm going to, you know, when you have that idea and go, oh, that'd be cool to do that. Just do it instead of thinking, I'll just do that next time I go for a walk or just doing it, scratching and sniffing a lemon. That's my, or a piece (laughs) of citrus. Just, you know, doesn't have to be long, but when you put your head on the pillow at night, ask yourself, what did I do for fun today? And be able to have at least one thing that happened in your day that was fun and joyous and just made you feel free and alive.
1: Oh my goodness, I love it. And do you know what else I love, Amanda, is that you have an incredible download, a PDF download that all the listeners will be able to download right off your website, which allows, it's it gives you a hundred ways to
0: play as an adult. Is that what it is? Yeah, a hundred ways to play solo as an adult in less than 10 minutes.
1: Oh my God. And I downloaded it and I just, I only picked, I think I picked five and they were so. Awesome, and a common theme for us when you came and did the workshop um, inside my group coaching program was nakedness, and <laughs> there is definitely some nakedness on the the ways to play on your list because I was like, oh my god, how funny is that? We've just spent quite a lot of time thinking, uh, talking about that, and yes, so I would love. Are you able to share? Is that okay if we can share that with the listeners? Because I know there will be so many people listening that are like, oh, I want to know how I can play
0: some easy ways to play absolutely oh my gosh the more people that can get into play and and just make it more of a an essential thing in life we're going to have such a beautiful planet that we live on
1: yes i agree all right well i am going to link that in the show notes so everyone can get their hands on it and but everyone who's listening please message me or amanda on instagram and let us know how it goes because we love that play life and we love hearing how it impacts you and helps you you know really achieve more success with less stress which is what we are all about
0: yes and it does it it will it will 10x 100x your life
1: And so Amanda, the other thing I was going to ask you to share before you, before we say goodbye today is, are you up and running? Can we book for this networking session, this networking day?
0: (laughs) I think it'll be in the show notes by the time this goes live. Yes.
1: Amazing. I cannot wait because I have never been slacklining and I don't even really know what to expect, but I'm so here for that.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I, it's at the end of April 2023 for anyone listening to this that is prior to that time. Okay. And, and who's it for? It is for really probably your clients, my clients, high achieving women who love adventure, want to be part of a sisterhood of like minded people, get connected, have some fun laughs, and try something new. Oh,
1: yes. I'm in. Sign me up awesome (laughs) excellent all right well thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom your insights about how to make life a little bit more easy a little bit more breezy and sharing your journey with human design and spirituality it has been so incredible to chat to you and I know that the audience will have really gotten a lot out of it so thank you so
0: much my absolute pleasure
1: Thank you for joining Amanda and I today. Strangely enough, the day that I am editing this episode happened to be the same day as Amanda's slacklining event, and it was amazing. But unfortunately for you guys listening, it has been and gone by the time you're wrapping your ears around this episode. But I do have it on good authority that Amanda will be running more outdoor events like this in Perth in the future. So make sure you head over to her Instagram page at Amanda Ewan and give her a follow to stay updated with all her events. And don't forget to download her 100 ways to play in under 10 minutes. That is linked in the show notes as well. You will absolutely love it. If you're interested in finding out more about your human design, you can download your chart from the show notes as well. I am wishing you a fabulous week ahead. Until next time, stay safe. Keep milking the shit out of life. I will catch you in the next episode.